0: Hey, welcome to Didn't I Blow Your Mind This Time, everybody, the show where uh, my co-host and I take turns trying to blow each other's minds with our movie picks. I'm not going to get into the whole spiel about what the movies could possibly be. I think the listeners know by now what the franchise of this wildly successful podcast is. I'm Duncan. I'm Lex. And I am so excited i just want to launch right into it get into it well actually no
1: first i do want to say where do you leave reviews you can rate on spotify not many people realize that but there's a little star o meter uh on your favorite podcast which clearly is us um on spotify uh and i don't know just poke around if you don't use apple Podcasts or spotify uh see if you can leave a review someplace else
0: also, a quick shout out to a couple blowheads, a couple fans. I post uh, screenshots of uh, stills of our upcoming movies, sometimes on social media and have people guess what our next film is. Although if you listen to the podcast, usually we tell you. And I believe it was a uh, Chris Merrell guest ah. Cape Fear coming up on a new podcast. And uh, Patrick Bryce uh, uh, chimed right in with White of the Eye, the director of uh, Creepy. I guess he's a big White of the Eye fan. So we are going to send you fellas some swag. What? When we have some. Oh. We don't have any yet,
1: but we will. (laughs) But we do have a new uh, uh, cover art, which um, I think you should see pop up now i'm that i'm i might be the one responsible for it not showing up on certain uh streamers so i will double check that but uh i like it i think it's pretty cool
0: i think it looks great follow us on instagram follow us on letterbox okay enough plugging let's get into it so i picked this week's movie and we are going back to 1973 and talking about the film scarecrow
1: Scarecrow.
0: Now, let me tell you, Lex, I just want to set the table. A couple years ago, it was a a lonely uh, midweek, maybe it was a Tuesday, maybe it was a Wednesday, and I could not find a soul in Los Angeles to go to the New Beverly to watch an Al Pacino double feature with me. So Lonely Old Dunk went to the New Beverly and saw uh, Panic in Needle Park and this film Scarecrow. I had not seen either. I was not familiar with Jerry Schatzberg, who's the director of both Really enjoyed Panic in Needle Park. Uh, Pacino's fantastic in it. It's almost like a docudrama. I've never a, seen it. I, drug I want film. To. Um, Joan Didion and Dominic Dunn, I believe, either, either wrote it or co-wrote it. Um, really good. Very crushable. Uh, female lead, Kitty Wynn. You might know her from The Exorcist. Just lovely who, and really wonderful as the co-lead with uh, Al Pacino. Who but, is she
1: in The Exorcist? Do you uh,
0: I believe she is one of the nurses. Okay. But I'm sitting there. I watched the first film, Panic. I enjoy it. The lights go on between features, as they usually do. And who pops up but uh, QT himself, Tarantino, to tell us that these Always are his personal fun. prints of his films. And, of course, nobody takes their phone out because it's the new Beverly. We're all being super cool. And then he's got a special guest he wants to uh, introduce. And who's sitting right in front of me? I, thought, I, I just thought it was a pile of scarves.
1: Well, it's Al
0: Pacino. <laughs> And he stands up and, and, and chats and he hasn't seen either of these films since they first came out. So this was really fun.
1: Somebody farted behind me in the sixth row. (laughs) Somebody did a real PU.
0: So it was a very special evening at the new Beverly and both those films have a special place in my heart uh, after getting to watch them with Al in, uh, in, you know, uh, popcorn spitting distance.
1: What what did he say? Did he add any little nuggets of, of wisdom or, or factoids about the, uh, the movie? He
0: didn't seem to remember much. He
1: didn't <laughs> seem to remember much. And we're going to talk great about- Great to be here. We're going to
0: talk about uh, uh, why this film may or may not rate uh, super high in Al's- uh, own listing of his favorite films so he didn't remember much i have to admit he did sit back down and then he did not stay for the full feature i saw him uh, <laughs> that doesn't uh, go uh, well scurry off
1: don't waste my motherfucking
0: time but i certainly enjoyed it and uh and yeah he was he, he and tarantino uh were both uh seemed tickled pink to be there i just want to say that this was uh this was a a, a so bizarre this this movie and i know i've said this on the podcast before and this is why i love movies uh, so so i love movies of the 70s this is just the ultimate they don't make them like this anymore movie
1: That's i mean for sure
0: can you imagine pitching this movie which is essentially the story of a, a very a fairly plotless movie about two drifters bumming around america can you with a super 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 downer ending uh, you no. would be laughed out of town. Behold, the captains of industry, the prospective owners of Maxi's Car Wash, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Be
1: Maxie's Car Wash. Car Wash? Yeah. Okay. For every car, there is dirt. Max and Lion. The only difference between them and the Rockefellers is a few hundred million dollars and about
0: 1,500 miles. But between California and Pennsylvania, there are a lot of
1: ups. Drinks on the house for everybody. And a lot of downs. I mean what is is interesting about this movie is that it's all character and then eventually character becomes story. And I was thinking the exact same thing about this movie is is how, how did this get made? Who would make it? But I was I mean it came after uh, Midnight Cowboy, and based on that, and obviously that was a sensation. So I could see how this. There's sort of like this is the inverse of Mid- Midnight Cowboy, rather than you know, country boy uh, come to the city. It's these these drifters out and about. I mean, about this, town to this town. movie
0: is such a downer. It makes Midnight Cowboy look like Midnight Run.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? I I have to admit, I was not excited about this. Movie because I feel like as many terrific actors as there are in the 70s, there are just as many movies that they're in that were total duds and rightly forgotten, and this one seems to have also been forgotten. So I mean, it it made the famous Shania Twain lyric come to mind for me which is so you think you're gene hackman and al pacino in 1973 that don't impress me much duncan <laughs> just because those guys are in it does not a good movie make
0: well this script had a little bit of heat around hollywood a young writer gary michael white at one point at and don't even ask me where i found this nugget because now i can't remember but at one point supposedly it was going to star jack Lemon and bill cosby what? <laughs> <laughs> but he has not started up yet.
1: The guy has not started up yet. <laughs> <laughs> Then
0: it was Al Pacino and Gene were attached. There was another director attached. I don't know who it was. But very, uh, very, very indicative of Gene Hackman's acting style. He and the director were not getting along. So Jerry Schatzberg was brought in. Jerry is an amazing uh, street and fashion photographer. You probably know him from shooting the Blonde on Blonde
1: cover. Oh, is that right? He wasn't the original director.
0: Not the original. Just in terms of of development. I mean, oh, he, oh, by all yeah, yeah, sure. by all practical purposes, yes. But I know, but, is it, the original but it director, it plays but it like, was bouncing around a little bit. Yeah, it does feel very like in a line with the like movies an, that the two films he had already made. One uh, uh, downfall of a uh, I think it's called the downfall of a puzzle child. Yeah, uh, that uh, he wrote with Carol Eastman, and the other is the film I just mentioned, uh, Panic right. Needle Park. So Al was excited to have Jerry. You know, on board because sure. they had worked together. I'll tell you, who wasn't excited? Gene Hackman, because Gene did not like the fact that they were they knew each other, they had a history, uh, to the Grumple point where where, where Jerry decided to make a rule: no socializing uh, after after the shoots, because he didn't want Gene to think that he and Al were going off. Uh, you know, t- talking about the script, and again, Gene was getting and had this idea in his head that they were cutting his best lines. Very ironic, because when you watch the film, this is a a Gene Hackman buffet. I mean, to yeah. the point where when Al Pacino saw the film, he thought it had been edited much more to favor and highlight Gene's performance. But again, we're putting the card before the horse.
1: Well, I and I can see that for the first half, but there's a real. Uh... Because it's a a real two hander. There's a swap that happens midway through, and Al definitely gets his moments. Uh, although, so I watched this twice uh, to really dig in, and I, I the Al Pacino performance. While Gene chews up the scenery in the first half, Al and Al surprisingly doesn't. It's it's very nuanced. It's it's very good. Um, and extremely enjoyable he's doing uh, oddly he's doing some of the uh the bits of business he normally gets accused of in in later movies he's doing them here but it's appropriate to the character and so it really works and seems seamless gene hackman has a style of acting all his own he does many different kinds of roles as he concentrates he gets deeply involved in his character the moves he's going to make, the lines he will have to say. He's very quiet. Hackman's a deep study. Pacino, on the other hand, is a squiggler. He gets himself up for a scene by walking it out, swinging, banging a stick, probing the reasons for his actions. The director of the movie, Jerry Schatzberg, brings these two diverse talents together, shaping their expressions in the way he sees it working out for his cameras.
0: Yeah, well, let's let's talk about that opening. And again, I'm not going to set the table with a big summary of what this movie is, because I wouldn't even know where to start. This is it's, a movie I'll, about, I'll two, it. about two... Oh, okay. Well, look, 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 at, look at who wants to uh, do
1: some summarizing. It's like a depressing Dumb and Dumber.
0: <laughs> Love it. Perfect. You nailed it.
1: Max did six years in prison for beating the hell out of a guy. And it didn't teach him a thing. Okay. All right. Okay. No, Max. Just one way. Max, Just one way. Get out Believe it or not, Max is the brains of the partnership. Oh, all of me. Plastic pipe for durability. $600. And then there's Lion. I think your specialty is going to be waxing. Waxing?
0: No, no, and um, keeping the customers happy. Um,
1: these guys are not the cleverest uh, in, in the bunch, but that... Uh, doesn't mean they're not sympathetic um, or that you feel better than, uh, than they are in any way. You're right there with them.
0: This movie shows a lot of affection towards them, and I feel like this is the type of movie yes. and the type of down-on-their-luck uh, characters that Hollywood used to do a, a good job covering. Yeah, uh, And now that uh, that has completely left the landscape of of not just Hollywood cinema, but even the independent cinema, which does kind of trade in these characters sometimes, these down on their heels characters. I feel like I would argue does it doesn't in a way that oftentimes has a eat your vegetables, sociological, mm-hmm. right. unfun piousness to it as much as I like the film. Nomad Land. Yeah. There's something I, I, I would just putting that movie up against this, where there are no laughs in, in Nomad Land really. Yeah. In, in this movie, Scarecrow is certainly not a laugh a, a thon, but it is the the story of these two very, very down on their luck characters. And there are moments of joy, there are moments of slapstick. There is a, a, a looseness that I feel like a, a lot of the kind of the Sundance films. Uh, that that trade in these these characters uh, don't really have anymore um,
1: uh, yeah yeah. It, it's it's dirty it's real it's unapologetic and by saying that it doesn't mean like it's it, that it's trying to get away with something it's just being as as real as it at as it can possibly be and not as you said not not trying to to force anything down your throat teach a lesson Although yes. it's heavy on metaphor, lion is a scarecrow. That's right.
0: Crows are laughing. No, you don't have
1: to hit people.
0: Not if you make them laugh. No, crows are not scared. Believe me. The crows are scared. No. And the uh, uh, crows are laughing. Very heavy on metaphor, but yes, there are no lessons to be learned or or uh, taught here. And it 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 has a, the movie has uh, like this kind of a threadbare homemade. Feel very much in what I read about the movie, which was how it, how it was shot. I mean, this was a under million dollar uh, kind of indie style road movie. the The characters go from Bakersfield to Detroit with lots of stops in between, and the director and the wonderful cinematographer Vilmo Zsigmond were really flying by the seat of their pants. Uh, they had a crew go, you know, you know, always forward scouting. But dur- this is during the shoot, going and scouting locations. So it, it, it was, oh. a, you know, they were having real their, time, own, so. their own road trip uh, oh, in, wow. in, in real time as they're making this movie. And I, I love that about that. And I was looking up the locations in this film, trying to see if, if any were still around. And I got to tell you, not many were.
1: An awful lot of America is made up of rolling hills and two-lane asphalt back roads. Across most of them, two men are drifting. A partnership for history. Well, you wanted to talk about that beginning. Let's let's dig into that opening scene. The, the, the sequence goes on for almost five-ish minutes as we just stay on, on the road in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and Hackman's character, Max, uh, appears in the middle of a golden field on a hill and just kind of seemingly just walks out of nowhere. It's almost like he walks out of the past down to the road. And there's no reason for you to think that there's anybody else around, but then, uh, it's revealed that someone is watching him and it's Pacino's character, uh, with a grin on his face. Uh, and again, and as sort of a game between them begins, uh, uh antagonistic uh it's it's very it's very character establishing without much dialogue at all it's all tone it's very theatrical um very playful it's it's pretty striking and you don't necessarily see much of that in the in the rest of the movie maybe maybe towards the end but the, the beginning really stands on its own as its own thing i mean i could really have watched that for for quite a while.
0: Two, two vagabonds on the side of the road, trying to hitch. I ride. almost sure. expected
1: John Ryder to show up. I mean, just think of how the hitcher would be if <laughs> old pony boy picked these two goofballs up instead of uh, John Ryder.
0: I was going to say that any movie with uh hitchhiking, I'm kind of, uh, I, I'm kind of, uh, in the bank for, is that the saying in the bank?
1: I've never but, heard that uh, but but then I thought
0: of the hitcher uh, in the bag oh my the god bag. then I thought of the hitcher and I'm like well maybe not necessarily but uh, yes you, there so is a the the movie revised. opens the movie opens <laughs> and it looks like uh, Kim Morgan on the sunset gun blog described as an Andrew Wyeth painting and I would
1: agree that's, it's that's fair, it's yeah. gorgeous
0: and these characters you have no idea what year it is It almost has a. This is. It's shot in Bakersfield. uh, This this opening sequence. It almost has a dust bowl feel. Yeah, it's like a Steinbeck story. Hackman's wearing like a a varsity Letterman's jacket from uh, the Depression era, and I really love that. Yeah, and you see a tumbleweed go by. It it takes. It's not until a car goes by that you kind of are able to to place this at a
1: certain time. And 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 barely. I mean, they they could have continued this story pretty much all uh, throughout the. Throughout the whole film, it could have been set in anywhere between the 20s and the 40s, and it almost felt like maybe that's why uh, Hackman might have taken the the role uh, because it felt like such an an iconic character of of Hollywood and uh, and literature past. It seemed like something that he might want to bite off and 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 take on because again like you had said why would anyone do this film especially hackman i think at that point had already done poseidon adventure and uh french connection uh, so these two real...
0: could not be hotter pacino's coming off godfather serpico maybe was coming off french connection i mean these two are red hot
1: red hot um so it's it's very much a, a very actory character piece um but I, I was loving it good i'm
0: glad that part. We'll, we'll dig it oh Oh, we'll dig in more to what you're loving and what you're not loving uh, in a little bit, but yes, these feel like they're, they're, the, the opening almost has this iconic feel. You're getting uh, you're getting uh, uh, shades of of mice and men, and we yep. quickly meet uh, Hackman's Max character, who is this alpha dog ex con coming out of nine years uh, nine years in the in the in the in the stony the stony prison, God, all types of antiquated sayings, the, the stony hotel, the brig, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then Pacino, who is, uh, he's goofy. He's a little weak. He's smiling. He's a little bit of a goofball. He's hammy. And he's coming out of a stint in the Navy, looking like kind of a handsome Ray Romano in this movie.
1: Um, <laughs> I'll go for that. He's very beta to, to Gene's alpha um, and and sort of sidles up to this guy and hackman almost begrudgingly takes him under uh, under the uh, under his wing
0: his big meaty man wing and yes i feel like you're right this movie a lot of the locations this opening sequence it does feel timeless and i think that is to give us almost this uh uh, this time out of mind feel this, mm. this, uh, uh, I love that grill Marcus turned the old weird America because both these characters yeah. are, are kind of in this rip Van Winkle state where they both been in these institutions yeah, they've been for away. a number of years. And now we're going to try and, and, uh, reconnect and plug back into society. Hackman has this plan to open a, a, uh, car wash, but he's got his money stashed in Detroit and Pacino is carrying a lamp that he wants to give to his son that he uh, doesn't know because he abandoned his uh, his baby mama, uh, pregnant baby mama, back in the day to join up at the Navy and make some money.
1: And that's your plot.
0: And that's it, baby.
1: <laughs> and, that's what uh, we're going to be doing in this movie. <laughs>
0: and like any two strangers that meet and try and and uh, and try and thumb a ride together, they're, they become fast friends pretty quick.
1: Ah, uh, very quick. Uh, it's it's the course of of that walk down the road, catching a ride, and then this diner scene, which is really uh, terrific. When they start having a, a dialogue and, and sharing what they want to uh, be doing next.
0: Yeah, I love this this diner scene. It's a locked off camera. It's the two of them just riffing away schatzberg said he would just let the camera roll and that hackman in particular was always giving him gold and i just can't get enough of what an alpha dog hack Alf, the hackman's character max is such an alpha dog he doesn't even want to call pacino's francis he doesn't like the name so he's like what else can i call you and he starts calling him lion
1: and then he's <laughs> there's alpha there's, dog and the waitress yeah the waitress what does he say he, he says like first, first, day. first day honey yeah when she she spills a little bit of milk yeah that's so good. Can I, I got to ask you what what's your first memory of Hackman as a kid? Like what what <laughs> what movie did it for you? Where you started to pay attention, or you just accepted that this guy is a movie star because he's such a strange strange bird, and he was on fire. Through the nineties, eventually the eighties was was a rough spot. I remember I saw him (laughs) in Loose Cannons with Dan Aykroyd, which is a Bob Clark movie, which is uh has its moments but is, is is bad uh dan Aykroyd has multiple uh personality disorder and is his wacky <laughs> partner who's doing uh shatner impersonations and uh and the, and the rest and and hackman in a redskins jacket just can't take anymore no! detective max stern oh cowboy he's the toughest cop on the force come on go He thought he'd seen it all. Poor baby, you're having a bad day. I'm having a terrible day. Send something nice to me, will you please? You have very strong looking thighs for a white man. I like that, yeah.
0: But nothing could prepare him for his new partner's personality problem. Will your cat always be coming on assignments with us? Or just very special ones?
1: A multiple personality problem. with my eyes closed <laughs> are you guys really cops i'm a cop i don't know what the hell he is you feel lucky punk i'm annoying you aren't i oh. that's a teensy little bit really and then wow. i remember him in the package with tommy lee jones which actually i remember is kind of a good thriller that had my cousin marco st john in it i think i've told you about
0: oh right but I, I, I don't think you have what marco well, st john i do not know this actor
1: he's a character actor based out of new Orleans and he's been in movies like uh well anything set in new Orleans he'll generally show up in but he's been in like uh monster he was the john in the woods that she kills that's the undercover cop and um oh he's famously the truck driver in Thelma and Louise the hey you bitches that guy that they blow up his truck
0: hold the phone <laughs> hold the phone that is your cousin and I've known you for 20 years and you're just telling me this now that actor I've always wondered where they pulled that guy from he's so disgusting and I was like there's no way this is an actor this is some wino they he, paid in in uh, in boons turns out
1: he's kin Duncan wow I mean really that business with your tongue what is that that is disgusting And oh my god that other shit of point to your lap I mean what is that supposed to mean exactly huh I mean, does that mean pull over? I want to show you what a big, fat slob I am. Yeah, does that that... mean suck my dick? You women crazy. You got that right. We think you should apologize. I ain't apologizing for shit.
0: You say you're sorry.
1: Fuck that. You say you're sorry, or I'm going to make you fucking sorry. Oh, Jesus. I bet you even called us beavers on your CB radio, didn't you? Yeah. Junk dead! Damn, I hate that. I hate
0: being called a beaver, don't you? You gonna apologize or what? (sighs) Fuck you! I don't think he's gonna apologize. Nah, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Well, we're I've gonna
1: talk. Eventually, the dream, uh, the dream doc is 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 to do. F- Finding Marco as I go and and track Marco down wherever he is and and go through and walk you through his uh, his filmography. I think he's the killer in Tightrope. Um, a handful of other. Just check him out on IMDb, yeah, well, some good stuff.
0: We're, we're only a few minutes in. My mind's already blown on this podcast. <laughs> I was just reading the New York Magazine about uh, Nepo babies. Lex, I had no idea you were a Nepo baby with this kind of like inroad <laughs> to the inn? biz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My
1: big in. Um, but I, uh, oh, I just had a riff there. I didn't even bother to find out what your first Hackman experience was. Do you remember? For,
0: for me as a kid, I, I'm not sure. I, Hackman to me was an adult star that was very, uh, he was synonymous with quality, with like yes. kind of like quality adults uh, are fair that I could kind of go with my parents because it wasn't too spicy. <laughs> Something like a Mississippi burning. I remember seeing that, uh, and, and he had this gravitas and he elevated something like Hoosiers, which I remember liking, but he was so good in that. Uh, I I don't, I don't remember the, the critic who just, who described it, but, but there's a, maybe it's Pauline Kale has, has written about Hackman's anger and that's really the the key to the performances. There is, there is so much rage. He's simmering. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I would say his Max character. There's a lot of rage there. This is a this is a brawler. This character, and I think as we're kind of talking about and unpacking and, and theorizing on on why Hackman and Pacino don't always seem to give this movie the love uh, that it deserves, I think yeah. in their oeuvres. Yeah, I think I think for Pacino it might be partly maybe the reason he ducked out after 20 minutes at the New Beverly, <laughs> even though they're both excellent. Hackman. It wasn't because the
1: guy behind him was knee slapping and
0: I love this movie. Hackman is kind of owns this movie in as as the Alpha Dog. He's doing all the fighting. He's doing all the fucking. Yeah. I mean, Al Pacino is like, you know, dancing with a mannequin in one scene as yeah. as Hackman is ravaging Eileen Brennan on a flop house bed. <laughs>
1: Oh man. And there's that just something scene, about
0: that, that 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 kind of kind of Pacino's almost overshadowed a little bit, I'm gonna say.
1: For for sure. But I feel like that's baked into the characters and the story. It has to go that way. But I do want to pause there with Eileen Brennan. that character so I said I, I watched it twice because I really wanted to soak it in. Uh when she she instantly starts antagonizing Hackman when he walks in. They're strangers. And she's just like, I mean, clearly she's, she's, her character is drunk. They walk into this bar. She's at the bar with a friend who's telling, telling her to quiet down. She's, she's mouthing off. Uh, she's so full of aggression. And, and there's this, uh, undercurrent of trauma through this whole movie. Uh, Maybe it's not identified in the movie itself, but we can look at it from 2022 and just see trauma (laughs) everywhere and and characters reacting to their trauma. And she's so powerful, uh, even though she's only on screen for those couple of minutes. And then they end up in bed together, but she's just so vicious outright. It was just, it, it was something to watch. And then we get more character actors like this that just pop up throughout. She's
0: great. And you're right. As we, uh, as we drift tumbleweed style from Bakersfield to Detroit, we're, st- we're on the road. We're in a hay truck. We're in a hippie van. Oh, we're yeah. I, just at the point where I'm like, hi, I wonder if they'll ever like hop on a box car or something. Ah, that's probably not going to, Oh, they're in a, they're in a box car. <laughs> they are, they're thumb and rides. They're in flop houses. Just, it's just a, 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 a real feast of, 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 you know, flea, flea bag motels and uh, burned out cars and just this, this really it's atmospheric dusty old America that you rarely, uh, certainly doesn't pop up often in movies, even though it it still very much uh, exists.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say is that even though the story seems to be of a bygone era, even for 73, it feels current then and it feels current now there are always people on the fringe just dancing the tightrope of poverty and staying out of prison and that's what this story is and there's a tension there and there's a joy but that that undercurrent of of fringe existence is 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 happening everywhere in this movie and speaking of flop house hotels that would be a good opportunity to explain just why this movie is called scarecrow because as gene hackman takes off his layers upon layers of clothes which seems to be a character trait uh might might be a metaphor in there as well maybe maybe so uh we get another metaphor which is uh al pacino's character about about the scarecrow you want to You want to set that up?
0: Oh, I I was enjoying your setup of it.
1: Well, the farmer uses the scarecrow not to scare uh, the crows away, but rather to uh, lure them in and make them laugh. And that's how he keeps the crows at bay is, is laughter and entertainment. And that's baked into Pacino's life approach. Uh, as as we move navigate this this film and and instantly hackman will have nothing of it. he believes as you said in brutality and fighting to get what you want he comes from prison uh where he's clearly learned that or it's been reinforced and um Pacino thus far in life has not needed to fight but rather has gotten away by you know doing a little tap dance and telling a joke, being the clown. And that's the way he operates. You think crows are scared of a scarecrow? Crows are laughing. Crows are laughing. That's right. Crows fly by. They see that. Makes them laugh.
0: Yeah. You imagine in, in both institutions, they're coming from Hackman from prison, Pacino's character from the Navy. Uh, Hackman's been throwing uh, knuckle sandwiches all his life. <laughs> and Pacino's been doing that kind of fun playing the goofball tap dance, probably to get himself out of trouble as a smaller guy
1: in yeah. the Navy. Yeah. Which makes sense. It all makes sense. You know, So you did a great job feels... with
0: that metaphor. I'm more the simile guy. So <laughs> that's how we divide and conquer.
1: Fair. All right. Well, but just, when just we get just, to like a hurricane. I'll, I'll set you up for that.
0: <laughs> just talking about that that old weird America and these locations. There's a moment uh, about a third of the way through this road trip film where Hackman uh, says something like, "Hey, you know where we could get a great breakfast? There's this hobo jungle near here that uh, <laughs> I really want to hit," and I I I've. I, I, even though I've seen the movie a couple of times, I rewind it. I'm like, hold oh, the a hobo what? You know, and no, that's not the hottest new brunch spot in Brooklyn. It's a literal hobo jungle, which is, I guess, just a hobo, uh uh near a train type encampment is but that what he's be-
1: talking about when he's like it used to be great here it was yes. vibrant there was all this stuff going on and now it's gone which yes, speaks to he's, the rip van winkle he's thing
0: bemoaning the fact that there used to be guys in fingerless gloves standing around a <laughs> trash can roasting <laughs> hot dogs and now it's some kind of i don't know meat packing plant or something so They're they have nothing. to go someplace else for breakfast
1: right right Oh, that's amazing.
0: And those those are the, some of the the yeah, the little details that I really love in this. And and I would say there there's a bar that they go to where they have this kind of uh celebratory big night, they're meeting ladies, they're making speeches, for some reason all of a sudden Al Pacino's character is
1: in a space suit. I mean, I that was strange, but I, again, gorgeously shot. When they all fall out onto the street that I've never quite seen a, a a bar celebration shot that way. And it's it it there are these moments throughout that just sweep you away with beauty, even though we're just you know writhing around in the mud for for the majority of it.
0: And Vilmo Zygmunt has said this is this is one of his favorite films and he looks back on it as as really? being so happy that he had the courage to shoot it and and it was it was shot in this kind of European style with a very underlit um you know, you can't always see the actor's faces particularly clearly. So he he really took a gamble with this movie and feels huh. like it paid off. But clearly not for everyone because I, 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 uh, Roger Ebert gave it a good review, but did not love the cinematography, which I find so bizarre. I don't so get it. So bizarre.
1: Anyway, um, just... Well, you fast forwarded past the meeting of uh, Frenchie. Oh, you're right. I did. We've got right, to talk about this actress who you've seen before, Anne Wedgworth Who I I know where I've this... seen her
0: before. <laughs> what?
1: What was she in? Three is Company. Oh, that makes all the sense in the world. She's After got this the... Betty Boop routine. Essentially, that's her character that she's doing here in Scarecrow too. Of the. Oh, oh. I hope that you two cherish these moments. To me, this is the best part of a relationship. Those early days when the world is a wild, crazy place and, and you're just dizzy all the time. Well, how could you tell the difference, Marlene? <laughs> that kind of stuff.
0: She, does, she has a great laugh. Yes, I, I, I'm sorry. I fast forwarded through that. That's another Hackman sexual conquest. Yep. where Pacino is is left kind of staring at his shoelaces as as Hackman mauls her, and they hold. <laughs>
1: They hold on Pacino through all this. They really embrace his awkwardness as he doesn't know what to do when this stuff is happening. There's always some bit of business that he's clearly been told to do by the director, just find something to fumble with in the background to really show his ineptitude uh and his inability to, to function in the world uh while <laughs> Hackman is is getting it on with the next dame.
0: Yes, and 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 uh, uh, like you said, Anne Wedgworth is great in this. Uh, there are so many great little character actors. Eileen Brennan, we talked about. Uh, Ratanya Alda is one of the, the, the is in the hippie van um, that they oh, are yeah. briefly in, which I, I find so interesting that they don't spend a lot of time in the hippie van because that is kind of one of the more modern moments and characters you meet. But they don't hang out with those hippies. They're in and out of the van so quickly it barely registers.
1: You mean modern for seventy three?
0: Modern for seventy three, and, and I and I feel like that's also one of the reasons that this movie doesn't have the standing that a lot of other seventies films that are just as depressing have. Is that it is it feels like a throwback even for seventy three. So it's there's nothing hip, there's nothing counterculture about it. Yeah, so it doesn't always come in it's, it's it's not always on those or it very rarely is ever on those lists of kind of great 70s films and even like peter biskin the easy riders raging bulls yeah author you know referred to it as a, a secondary film right of the time. that
1: makes sense that but makes
0: Anne wedge yes so she was in three's company after the ropers left to do their spinoff <laughs> and they brought in mr furley they needed another character so she plays the wait for it horny uh-huh. middle-aged uh woman in the building who's always uh feeling up jack tripper and john ritter did not be- did not love this character because he didn't understand why jack wouldn't just sleep with her because uh-huh. she was so attractive even though she's older so she i think she was in 13 or 14 episodes and then she was written off the show with nary uh nary an explanation given
1: oh well she's great and she's great in this
0: she's fantastic
1: uh, so after that bar scene that you mentioned, they get carted off to prison to work camp because yes, we should
0: say a fist fight erupts and, and, right. uh, and Hackman's Hackman's max character, uh, des- despite Pacino's character trying to make light of the situation, um, Hackman's character opens up a knuckle sandwich on a couple characters
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, so they're both thrown in and now Pacino's character really gets a taste of what Hackman's life has been and how how he's been shaped to be this this tough guy that he is and we meet um Michael what's his name oh no Richard, Richard Lynch Richard Lynch oh my god now what a performance tell me where i've seen him before
0: you, if you're like me and are uh, a big A-team fan, you've seen him in the A-team.
1: They broke my mother off. Nobody put their hands on my mother and let tell about We're going to Chicago right now, Hannibal. Is he a regular back, bad guy in the I A-team? I think he's one of the regular bad guys. A
0: recurring bad guy. Yes. I think he's yes. in some Eastwood films. He is a theater actor who knew Pacino uh, from their theater days. He had a, uh, I believe, a, a, a drug-induced fire accident in the 60s that left his neck uh uh burned and a little scarred there and he's wonderful and i will tell you actually now i'm remembering from the the new beverly screening tarantino was going on and on about richard lynch in this yeah. movie because he's a big fan and i was wondering if i was like oh pacino probably is like who's this guy but pacino also big fan because they're old friends
1: He's fantastic in this and so, it's clear that he's a trained and excellent actor
0: so he's great I love a road picture that just like stops maybe 40 percent of the way through and becomes a prison picture for about 20 minutes at this 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 amazing work farm I think they're in in Colorado and yes uh, just to just to mention so previously the Pacino character has asked, uh, Hackman. Uh, so, what you know? How did you use to get laid in prison? Yeah. And there is a ooh, do, do. silence uh, uh, following. So, so you kind of fill in the blanks, and then now, now they are both uh, in prison, navigating all that entails in a seventies film of this kind. And Richard Lynch's character plays a real operator mm-hmm. in the prison who is more than happy. To take, uh, Pacino's Lionel under his not quite so muscular wing, and there's just a lot of great detail here, where you have the Richard Lynch character talking to the prison guard. He's setting him up with some uh, some you know sex, you know some prostitutes outside the prison in exchange for cushier work details, and that includes Pacino. And you don't know what this guy's game is.
1: And meanwhile, uh, Pacino and Hackman are on the outs right because ha- uh, Pacino blames Hackman for getting them in this situation and so Hackman is watching this from a distance and you get the sense that he knows what's up with this guy uh but because they they've they've broken up essentially there there's no intervention until it's too late
0: yes although i wouldn't say too too late there is a Scene with with Pacino and uh, the Richard Lynch character. There's a there, uh, the Richard Lynch character tries a, a seduction, and then a physical assault. Uh, that then turns into a, a massive beating when Pacino will not uh, submit.
1: Igor, you crazy monster! I know, I know, I know. Get out! Go back! Go back! Don't make fun of me! I mean, don't make fun of me! You know, it's... I'm not making fun of you. What are you doing? Kind of sensitive. I'll show you what I'm doing. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Riley, what? Come on! Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not said that there isn't a rape.
0: That is true. That is true. Uh, here we are again on this podcast with another sexual assault. Yes, yes. Oh, Based God. on the Hagma and and how traumatized Pacino is, and uh, after. But I, I will say something I found uh, darkly humorous is when the Richard Lynch character is talking about how lonely he is in prison, you're, you're kind of getting a sense of like, oh, hold on. What, now I know why this guy's being so nice. And he's starting the seduction. And he says, he is to Pacino, charming. he's very charming. Uh, and he says to Pacino, guess how long I'm in for? And Pacino says, how long? And he says, 16 months. For me, I breathe like a sigh of relief. I was like, "Oh, okay, sixteen months." You, you know what I mean? It's not like thirty, yeah. the, you know, thirty years the rest yeah, of my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. It's like sixteen months, and now I'm so horny that uh, <laughs> I, I need some relief. It's really, yeah. Yeah, yeah, intense. This is a this is a very a, a very horny, very manipulative, uh, scary
1: character. And it's enough that when they get out of prison, uh, Pacino is rocked and has essentially shed his old scarecrow character um and then we have a bar scene where it seems like hackman's up to the same old uh fisticuffs again but there's a flip there where it's almost as if hackman has 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 learned something through pacino's or witnessing his little buddy uh be traumatized so so horribly that he finally takes on that scarecrow point of point of view and does what we don't think is going to happen and makes the bar laugh makes the whole diffuses a, a fight and makes the whole bar laugh you're a scarecrow i'm a scarecrow you're also an asshole okay hey, no. you're also a scarecrow too okay but i'm like you huh? yes. i'm a scarecrow that's right you're right that's listen that's right have you taken a good look at your mug lately? Have you eyeballed it? I mean, if that's what being a scarecrow is, I don't want any part of that.
0: Scarecrows are
1: beautiful. (laughs) Scarecrows are beautiful.
0: Yes, Pacino has been hardened and Hackman has taken up Pacino's life lesson of uh, uh, keeping things light, being fun, playing the clown. And in this scene, instead of clobbering this guy he's about to get in a bar fight with, he does this amazing striptease, stripping down all those metaphorical layers, all that Letterman jacket and his his many, many dirty t-shirts. You can almost smell Hackman's clothes. It's, it's, it's visceral. Um, I love his costume in this, but I love the striptease. I love it. I love panning around the bar and you see all these faces so many of these guys uh, I've I've heard Schatzberg say in interviews were actors they were they were paying with uh, or were extras just locals they're paying with booze and you can see it in their faces uh, that that's what makes the scene to me is you've got this real bar crowd just delighted in Hackman's goofy strip tease, smiling their tooth you know in, in some cases slightly toothy or non-toothy grins and it's it's just great, it, and it's a it,
1: sign of things to come to Because it's not, it's going to be a little bit before Hackman is in an outright comedy, or even gets to to play uh, a comedic character, even if it's in a in a drama or or a serious film. But you get glints of that comedic timing and capability. I mean. You know, the, some of the funniest uh, comedic actors are very angry actors and, and Hackman puts that, that fury to good use, uh, going forward in, uh, his, his filmography, because eventually he's going to be Lex Luthor, which is think, almost a comedic character. There's, uh, uh, there's just more and more comedies to come I- interspersed throughout, um, all those war <laughs> pictures and, uh, tough guy things.
0: Yeah, he really sells the striptease, and at this point in the movie, I am just loving this this bromance.
1: Yeah, it's it's super charming and super effective. And by that point, you really get a sense of what the movie is doing. Where in the first half, I mean, it's about a freewheeling duo, but the movie feels like it's freewheeling, and you're not really sure where the hell this thing is going. But once that character switch, uh, gets dialed in you get a sense of of what this is and it's 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 what i was mentioning before which is in this case the characters really are the story because the plot is so light
0: at this point in the movie you almost feel like you almost feel like things could end up okay for these two
1: characters (laughs)
0: boy would you be mistaken
1: holy shit balls basically pacino want they they're getting closer to where pacino is going to be able to uh knock on the door of his uh his ex-girlfriend uh mother of his his child and introduce himself to the kid but hackman is saying why don't why don't you just call ahead which he 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 asks questions like that before which is why don't why don't you let her know that you're coming and Pacino's rationale is that because she can hang up if I'm on the doorstep it'll be harder for her to turn me away he's anticipating that this is not going to go well and
0: because we need to make a movie and ha- him making the phone call <laughs> so earlier would, would, would kind of uh, be, be problematic for the plot
1: that's true but we finally get that phone call, and it is a, a fucking doozy.
0: We get that phone call uh, to his 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 ex. I, I I'm not sure if it was his wife or his baby mama. Um, and we see her side of the phone call quite prominently. And you get another, almost like the Richard Lynch, another really, uh, a, a, a really amazing character actor performance from this actress Penelope Allen, who later is going to be in Dog Day Afternoon with Pacino. Where she really shines. I mean, this could have been, it's this so is good. almost like a short film in and of itself. She has to pack in five years of rage that she's felt uh, against Lionel for abandoning uh, her and her soon to be child. She was pregnant when he left for the Navy. And she's got to pack in all that rage and, and 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 relay it over the phone. And man, does she ever! Sure, sure. Send the money and see the world. <laughs> Leave Annie here. Leave me here in this goddamn stinking slum, you bastard! you. Please, Annie. Yeah. Look, look,
1: look, Annie. Annie, please. Look, look, let me come over. I don't want to see you. You just get away. You just stay away. Get out. Yeah, it, it reads. You understand why she makes the choice she makes, which is that she tells him that the their son died. That's not true. But to keep him at bay and to make him hurt uh, the way she's hurt, that's that's what she gets to.
0: So not only is the baby dead, uh, but she fell because Pacino's character wasn't there to help her and she did not have time to get the baby baptized.
1: You know what that means? That soul cannot go to heaven, Francis. That's what you did for your son's soul, you bastard. You sent it into limbo. That soul cannot go to heaven.
0: Ugh. Now... Which, as a uh, having been raised Catholic, is terrifying. Now they hadn't really leaned into Pacino's to Lionel's uh, uh, his character Lionel's Catholicism. Although looking back at the film, his his uh, childlike behavior, his kind of lack of sexuality, mm-hmm. um, compared to the, the the boisterous, lusty Hackman's mm-hmm. uh, character Max, uh, makes a lot more sense. So this the, the horror on his face when she tells him this. Is palpable, and then before she can respond, he hangs up, and she has no idea where he's calling from. You almost get the sense that she would have taken it back; it's such an awful lie. But he hangs up, and that connection is lost uh, forever.
1: And knowing everything we know about this character and the the drive, the one goal. This is one goal throughout the story, and this is the result. It makes perfect sense what what happens. Next, he's he he unravels completely in this terrifying scene,
0: and I just want to say for that the setting of Pacino's baby mama's character. There is a there is a, a setting. There is a scene that feels very 1973. Casey Kasem's playing. Oh, the yeah. It's got all these toys scattered around. Finally, you're out of this kind of dust bold, old, weird uh, America, and you're seeing something that feels for 73, very modern. And it's almost jarring to see Pacino like calling into this world. It's almost I feel like they're really uh, the filmmakers really leaning into this. This aspect of uh, these Rip Van Winkle characters trying to trying to reach out and forge a connection uh, with the with the current state of the world, and that connection uh, ends tragically.
1: And then we get to the fountain where uh, some mothers are having a play date with their kids, and that's where the unraveling of Pacino's character happens as he manically dances with these kids and, uh, almost having a,
0: with this child. So the mother starts crying. He's dancing around in the fountain. Pulling them
1: into the fountain. It's, it's just a human being falling apart. And it, because you've taken this journey with him, it's so powerful and so terrifying. That actually is, is part of the reason why I wanted to watch it a second time is to, to look at how the tension in this story works. And I realized that it was there, aside from the opener, it's there throughout as you realize these guys are always just a heartbeat away from things going horribly wrong. They always seem to bounce back, but then finally there's this one thing that just is the death blow for him and it's brutal and we cut so, thanks well, for making me watch it twice we
0: cut to a hospital and pacino is catatonic and this so it's it's there's almost we talked about midnight cowboy but there's you know this 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 could definitely be in competition for the biggest uh, buddy movie downer ending of all time in terms of Pacino is catatonic, Hackman doesn't know what to do, and uh, and I, I believe leave, with no other choices, uh, leaves, leaves him it. in the hospital with for, no uh, to 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 ramble off uh, to his yeah, next. And destination. and even Hackman,
1: you don't get the sense that everything's going to be okay with with Hackman putting Pacino behind him. He barely has enough money to pay for the bus fare uh, to get to his next destination. He has to resort to opening up his boot where his secret stash is it's just brutal on top of brutal
0: so again this movie has a downer ending but this podcast doesn't have to but before we get into your final verdict on this film i just want to talk about the legacy a little bit like this movie uh this movie went to con it won the top honor it was a a split with a with another film so it, it split the top honor Uh, the French loved it, uh, as they often do with Mm. our most depressing exports. Uh, but, but sometimes the, 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 the can kudos can be the kiss of death at the box office. And that was the case here as scarecrow, uh, fared poorly. And I, as I said, Pacino was not a fan and felt like it had been, uh, Edited to favor Hackman's character, so he and, and Schatzberg, who had previously been friends, didn't talk for two or three years. Oh wow! And Hack Hackman uh, Hackman vowed, forget these small movies. He, I'm doing commercial Spe- stuff from. I'm doing money from now on.
1: Speaking of Hackman, I was thinking I, I could I could watch a whole string of of Hackman movies. We just do a podcast called Hacks kick Gene Smart to the side and Lorraine Newman's kid and let's just watch Hackman movies oh my god he's so good He's so good. Now
0: I have not found an interview where he has said this is his fav- favorite performance, but I've found two interviews: one one uh, from Jerry Schatzberg and one with Bill M. Sigmund, where they've said Hackman has told them it was his favorite performance. Now, who knows what year he said that in? Uh, but uh, well, he's yeah, like ninety one now.
1: Let's get him back for Scarecrow too.
0: Well, funny you mentioned that, Lex, because Jerry Schatzberg has been beating the bushes for Scarecrow 2 the last 10 years. There Shut is up. a script. What? Uh there is a, a possibility of a Scarecrow 2. It's hard to imagine what? getting scarecrow these actors too? involved, but yes, uh Jerry the director, the filmmaker who's in his 90s now has been talking about uh a Scarecrow 2 picking up where the movie left off. I think uh, uh Pacino uh, figuring out Pacino's character figuring out that his son is alive feels like a little Pacino's bit of a cheat alive? because I assume Pacino's character was was no longer with us from this movie. Um, yes. So this, this was Jerry Shatsby's biggest Scare movie.
1: Scarecrow
0: Scarecrowier. Scare I have a feeling like the whispers of taxi driver too many years ago, I have a feeling this will not be happening.
1: I didn't know about uh, and those.
0: I, I Oh God. That, I feel like what? that was actually closer. Yeah. De Niro really? wanted to do taxi driver too. Yes. Oh wow. Marty put, Marty put the kibosh on that. But yeah, I feel like we're safe from from Scarecrow too, but I do feel like this movie, uh while it has garnered a uh, cult status since its release, uh, still is one of those shaggy dog uh, releases of the 70s that is not thought of on the same level as similar uh buddy Downer Buddy movies, everything from Midnight Cowboy to Thunderbolt and Lightfoot to uh, mm-hmm. Last Detail. But I feel like it deserves its spot somewhere on the list with those uh, contemporary films at the time. But uh, I'm we already know how I feel about it. Let's Let's check in with my co-host.
1: Well, I have to tread lightly here. I got so much blowback for mentioning the idea that uh, there might have been somebody better in the role of Max. Cady. I'm just reporting to you
0: what the Twitter sphere was saying.
1: What? There was they, a lot of
0: head scratching over that comment.
1: I can't qualify my answer. I just say either Bickle or Scanners, and that's it. Right?
0: That has been the idea of the podcast that we've been doing this season. Uh, so yes, Scanner or Bickles.
1: I'm just pushing your buttons because this gets the scanners from me. Uh, the truth is this, as I said at the end here, uh, this was as effective for me as a thriller or a horror movie because of the unsettling uh, aspect of it. And the uh, to watch a person fall apart and there be no happy ending. I wouldn't have had that reaction had it not been for the ending. I was totally charmed by the movie itself, every step of the, the journey, but the ending really uh, makes this a movie that's still worth watching and one for us to, to reflect on.
0: Love it. I mean, I think I'd love to take a Scarecrow road trip. And visit the decimated locations, bake from Bakersfield all the way to Pittsburgh. I mean, certainly the fountain is there in Pittsburgh. I would love to find the bar. I couldn't even find mention of the bar where Hackman does the striptease. More grist for the mill for Scarecrow, too.
1: That's the navigation across TJ Maxx's and... Um... Uh, public lands and, and dick sporting goods that's that's going to be the backdrop for scarecrow scarecrow too
0: well i picked another winner and i'll tell you another Clearly. thing the twitter sphere the twitter sphere uh likes is they like to know what the next film is and i'm also on the edge of my seat
1: before we do that let me just let me just try an outro out let me just show you how it's it's done you you've given a couple tries here in the, in the past couple of episodes you ready for this i'd love to hear an outro so you've heard our blow by blow. You tell us, did Scarecrow blow your mind? Check us out on Instagram to let us know. If you're totally blown away by our podcast, why not rate it and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more.
0: Jump, pa-pow! Pa, I love it. I love it. Uh, I mean, it's not as catchy as uh, I'm out of popcorn, but I I love it. Let's go with it. I'm sorry I front loaded the episode with all my uh, complaining and and begging for reviews on uh, iTunes. I didn't know you're going to take care of that at the
1: at the end. Well, I didn't want us to come to blows. Love it. On that note, what Get is the next movie? Dir-
0: I love it. I love gritted it.
1: Teeth. Um, okay, we need to end this season on a high note. Something fun. Get us out of Duncan's dreary bar obsession. <laughs> Tune in for our last episode of the season when I make Duncan watch Clifford, starring Martin Short and Charles (laughs) Grodin. Which, given that firepower, is insane that you have not seen it. It is bizarre. I
0: might have a thing or two to say about Charles Grodin. Uh, Expect that episode
1: to run long. I can't wait. All right. Catch you later.